Hey, Ankush. Thanks. Thanks so much uh, for having me here. Uh, a very good evening to everybody watching us. And Ankush must tell, it's always been great being part of the expert family. Uh, you know, big congratulations as well as best wishes for whatever you and your parents have been doing. I was just going through some of the EduPath videos that you shared with me earlier. Uh, I was watching Mr. Rolas Kamats as well as Professor Rao's videos and definitely mind blown as in I wish I had access to such learnings when, you know, I was studying at this time. Thank you, Ankush. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, so I want to start off by asking you, uh, you were a science student during your pre-university, right? And most students, uh, science students especially, okay, they want to get into IITs and what they think of is engineering because that's what IITs are known for, right? It's an Indian Institute of Technology. Uh, no, sure, uh, Ankush, I think, IIT uh, and you know, did something starting that off, most of us uh, probably aren't some aware of, intent, an integrated and in the next steps were always so, kind of... How uh, very obvious to say that let's join the science, science stream. It wasn't really a choice or an option at that point. Looking back, uh, probably I would have chosen the commerce uh, discipline, uh, given I think, you know, my interests are, I understand that better. But uh, once I got into science, I think the only option that I had to choose for was whether I take a PCMB, biology or science or statistics. Uh, luckily, statistics was an option, which is where I'd taken that. Uh, and during my 11th and 12th, uh, while uh, kind of had to go over all these four curriculums, I couldn't really understand a lot of chemistry. Uh, honestly, as in it was too theoretical, I couldn't really uh, 
visualize how it actually worked in practice uh physics was great uh, as in it was still better again a lot of credit to the professors and teachers who taught me physics that you know it went really well there but maths and statistics was something that i was really loving and uh, when the choice came uh, had got all the ranks uh, had all the options in front of me and that's when even i for the first time saw the economics curriculum in both bits as well as iit and that featured in top of my list because i understood that it's a science a scientific approach to economics it's not a ba or an ma uh, in economics so it was a masters of science in economics that was the degree and uh, end of it just made sense so that's what i'd applied for in both bits in uh, iit kanpur as well as kharagpur finally got kharagpur and then i think you know that i think that would have been my first probably uh, very conscious decision that i had made uh, in my professional career and very very happy for that so uh kind of you know even the degree that i had to do in uh, iit kharagpur around economics was a lot of maths a lot of stats uh, econometrics regression and uh, the other side which was public finance uh, policy as well as you know that was my first uh, financial markets as well as financial institutions look like right uh, now generally when we talk about economics uh, we, talk, we think about business schools right because uh, a lot of economists coming out of there are schools of economics there's the business schools out there uh, no so i think is uh, there any difference between definitely advantages uh, and, uh, i think the comparison here is between say a institute like IIT commerce college and business you know school. a technology or a uh, science college or university in, like uh, iit kharagpur there i would have been doing a ba or a ma in economics here i, I was doing a bsc plus msc in economics and while the curriculum was also more scientific more towards you know the mathematics discipline the other part was around having you know a network or a friends group who were all doing different disciplines again uh, iit kharagpur given it's the largest iit has you know a host of different disciplines it's not just engineering engineering they have the largest number of branches right from things that like ocean and naval engineering to uh, agriculture and food engineering even on the humanity side we had say economics uh, we had social sciences we had chemistry and these were all undergraduate degrees so i think that was the biggest advantage for me because uh, you know my friends group my batchmates were all doing different things and uh, sharing the same space with them obviously developed you know my instincts my knowledge much more Right. No, no, absolutely. Right. I think the diversity is also important when you are surrounded by people from uh, so many different uh, streams. It actually makes you more creative, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so no, uh, sir, just uh, to understand your journey, I think there so was you very short period before starting small case, but uh, after graduating out of Karakpur, uh, my offer from college from was to join this national bank called case. JP Morgan. This was in Mumbai, and uh, I think two weeks before joining, uh, one of my seniors reached out to me and said, uh, you know, his friend, actually his ex-boss, is starting a new company uh, that is going to be doing a lot of research. about startups about the private markets uh, and the 
you know the thesis or the idea was that there is so much information about stocks or companies that are listed on the stock exchange the same kind of information is not collated or you know put together in a database about startups and startups are growing very fast they are leaving a digital footprint like you can understand the growth of a startup from say its linkedin from its twitter from its facebook how it's actually growing from its uh, play store downloads etc so why not build a database like this that was you know what uh, my friend's ex boss was thinking about doing and uh, that seemed more relevant as in it seemed something that i should uh, look at uh, obviously luckily for me again things the the founder of founders of those company were very distinguished they had you know a very good i would be the first employee there uh, trying to build out on one side the product and the business at the same time do what you know was interesting and enjoyable to me which is understanding business models understanding companies so just seemed uh, very again obvious or natural to kind of take that and uh, that's where i had a ball of time i kind of you know understood how venture capitalists or private equity firms valued startups understood evaluated startups understood business models understood uh, you know what sectors are being disrupted and how by what kind of technologies and uh, uh, like you mentioned like you know after studying 20000 startups in detail you obviously get the very strong urge to become an operator and uh, that was the next step that's where luckily i found two of my friends from college itself uh we had a common idea that we could end up brainstorm around and actually build a business around and that's what i've been doing for the last 5 years right uh talking about ideas you know ideas are very very plenty these days uh, there are uh, people have a lot of ideas some of them good some of them uh, okay some of them probably bad ideas but Uh, ideas are in plenty right a lot of people have ideas but i think what makes a successful startup different is that they actually make that idea into a sustainable uh, business so how does that work now you had an idea but then you had to make it no sure so that, uh, uh, really it, this was not the only idea i had when i was interested about uh, starting uh, up on my own i think so how did you go my idea the definition of my idea would be more that i knew i wanted to build a company on my own it was not that i wanted to build small case specifically that was one of the ideas on the idea board the other one i was building a online first mattress brand uh, kind of the thesis behind that was you know when a mattress is developed maybe even the best of mat 1000 rupees but by the time it finally gets okay. to the consumer there are so many middlemen that uh, you know the margin goes up by 4x 5x so you're buying, finally buying a great mattress at 40000 50000 so if you could build something that could cut through all these middlemen right. you can have a very uh, you can own the experience at the same time kind of deliver it at the cheapest cost possible so that was one idea but i think uh, repeat it all over again uh, luckily again made the right choice there but uh, the market or you know uh, starting from who is going to be using this product or this idea i think that is very key uh, what differentiates you know some of the successful startups versus say ideas that came and failed one is definitely the number of people who, who could be basically kind of using this or the amount of uh, time that you know one of the user is one of these users are spending on a potential idea like this so your market or you know uh, frequency of usage should be really high 
and uh, second is again very important or critical to whether it would become a sustainable business or not is the timing itself so for example i don't think if this idea what we had done today if we had done it 10 years back it would have been as successful uh, we would have to kind of wait and survive it till today to kind of see the success and scale that we are seeing so i think these are the two primary things that uh, kind of go into whether uh, idea can be made into a business or not whether there are enough people using it whether the timing is right and whether you can build efficiency into the process like any disruptor be it's an uber airbnb everybody has focused on making the process of that experience very efficient so that you know they can basically make money of the inefficiencies itself so kind of removing that inefficiency is important and then what kind of you know that idea becoming a business and that scaling depends on other things including you get funds you get uh, you the right people to build this with you you get the right partners you know the uh, market is ready for something like this but but i think the first two things would definitely be the size of the market as well as uh, the timing that you are taking this idea to the market with correct uh, so yeah uh, of course uh, uh, some of our viewers might already know what small case is about but we have a lot of people who are uh, you know probably still uh, in college right now and uh, may not be well versed with the stock market so in simple terms please tell sure. us what uh, small case is about i'll keep it very simple uh, so that you know you people know, who are do not have case. any idea about how stocks or you know even the markets work actually get it but uh, the reason some people invest into stocks is because you are investing into a company and you you would like to invest into companies that have a good future and uh, that's what you know investing into a stock is all about so there are multiple ways to invest in stocks so you know one example that i give is uh, if you listen to music how that has changed over time like earlier you would get a cassette or a cd disc there will be 10 songs to 12 songs in it you might want to listen to two songs but then you know you can't really do that which is where you have to buy the whole cassette uh, so you're overpaying for those two songs that you might want to listen that is right. similar to say you know how say a mutual fund works you are essentially giving your money to a fund manager they will invest where they want to you don't have any say in what happens there but then it's a great way for people to start out and then if you just want to listen to music Correct. buying a cassette is better than nothing uh, the next thing was i don't know how many right. of the viewers know or remember about this but itunes came in you could buy you know songs on itunes you pay 5 rupees you buy a song or say uh, piracy you go to songs.pk actually then download a song and build your own library of songs uh, obviously you needed to know which song to invest that's like yes. investing in your own <laughs> stocks you need to kind of pick which stock to buy understand its fundamentals its technicals how good the management is what its prospects are how is the sector faring etc so a lot of work before you actually build your own uh, library or say in this side your stocks portfolio the what we tried to build was more of you know a layer which would uh, ease this process so today how we listen to music that's how we're trying to build this behavior of investing into stocks that we listen to playlists today now those playlists could be about an artist it could be a genre like rock for example you could say you're going for a drive you want to listen to music it could be for a mood it could be before sleeping and uh, that's what we want to create so for example if you think that electric vehicles are going to become a more widespread thing in india over the next 10 sure. years we have a basket of stocks that is professionally created and managed and that's called the electric mobility small case similarly if you think say 
you know for example uh, digital inclusion or more internet penetration in people using smartphones is going to increase there are a bunch of companies that operate in that chain right from mobile set manufacturers to uh, you know the internet service providers to people who are building raw materials mm-hmm. for uh, you know cables broadband etc so that could be a basket that you invest in that's what you know uh, that would be called the digital inclusion small case so the idea is to make it very simple for someone who is looking to invest in a uh, shift that's happening in the and we do the kind of work around enabling right. these products to be built I think uh, your analogy of uh, music uh, would uh, probably the best way to explain this, and I'm sure a lot of people would have got it because these days people listen to uh, playlists on uh, be it Spotify or Absolutely. other platforms, and uh, there are two ways. I like think for example, if you have someone in your network who you think is a great stock picker, okay, you can essentially ask them to create now, their own small cases and playlist. share it with you. Right. Like you would ask so someone to share their own uh, playlist. So anybody, if the viewers. Uh, uh, you should definitely ask uh, Angush to share a small case with you. <laughs> right. Correct. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we're getting a lot of questions from our uh, viewers, actually. Uh, uh, mostly expert students. Uh, interesting uh, questions. Uh, before I ask you this, I would like to remind our viewers that you can send your own questions to today's guest. Uh, you, you just have to type it on WhatsApp and send it to the number that's displayed on your screen. That is 82964901688. So we have a few questions. Uh, these are kind of related. Uh, Swarna, Malki and Tanuj, uh, they're asking, uh, how was your journey at expert? Uh, no, uh, sure. Also, uh, I think, uh, did you like write I said, so, uh, just a little bit background. Uh, I studied uh, in Abu Dhabi, UAE till my 10th standard. And then 11th and 12th was where I came to Mangalore. And uh, like I said, the decision was not made by me. Uh, like, I didn't know what, say, JE was or what POC was also at that point of time. My parents said that, you know, Mangalore is where you do it because the other option was that you continue to study in Abu Dhabi, do your 11th and 12th there, and eventually you look west. And that was something I knew I didn't want to do. I wanted to come back to India itself. So uh, uh, expert was not a college at that point. It was only coaching classes, uh, which is where I got, uh, I took up admission at St. Aloysius, uh, did my 11th and 12th there, and uh, was also uh, looking to get into, say, you know, uh, engineering institute at that time, that was the idea, given that I selected statistics. And uh, Expert had come up with this new program called the 5-in-1. And I was part of the first batch. So I think I'd come down to give my entrance exam for the 5-in-1. I'd done that, uh, got selected, and then joined the 5-in-1 batch. Uh, And it was crazy, as in, uh, in terms of time, again, there was no benchmark for me, like other people had benchmarks to say that, okay, people don't spend so much time in classes, people spend more than this, less than this, etc. There was nothing. So I was completely comfortable with the time spent. Now looking back, I think, you know, it used to be on holidays, I think 7 to 7.30 uh, classes uh, at Expert. Uh, On normal days, it was 7 in the morning to I think 8.30 and then college starts and then again, you're back in Expert at 5 then to 8.39. So, uh, 
you know yeah. most like most of my waking hours were with this five in one batch i think uh, very good friends made over there uh, and like i was saying i think uh, the quality of professors and teachers were really good especially on the mathematics side because kind of in my je score also uh, i think i had got single digit marks in both physics and chemistry so i was just about the cut off which would be like <laughs> zero negative one two marks uh, but maths was where i think i had scored like 160 out of 182 and that's where you know the ranking came in so i think uh, that was a great experience i think again ex- the assignments exercises i don't think there was an option to not do it so we had to do it <laughs> so kind of never had that other choice to say no i won't do assignments so but uh, those two years were looking back were crazy but i think uh, definitely some of the best uh, two of the best years in- and at the end i think what you have a a passion for something uh, that's very really important uh, now whenever you so you started your uh, coming back to your journey of uh, starting small case you started a uh, 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 startup and uh, whenever you start something new generally there are people who uh, tend to discourage you maybe they may say that uh, you know okay the idea is good but it might not uh, really work in the long run uh, there are people who will criticize Uh, some of the criticism may be good but uh, a lot of times it it may be just that people don't understand what you want to do uh, how did you face such uh, i mean whether did you face such instances where people discouraged you from doing what you wanted to do and if they did how did you face that no definitely i think uh, everyone faces this uh, when never anybody is trying to do something new or you know something that is not you get a lot of pushback and criticism for sure uh i think uh, and you know it stems from the fact that uh, like you said you know say four out of five startups fail or four out of five ideas don't really work out and uh, as human beings we have this tendency to want to be right all the time so kind of if you are given a situation and said you know uh is this good or is this bad one way to do that would be saying you know that this will not work out so that's where a lot of negative kind of feedback or discouragement usually comes in uh i think uh, like as time has passed uh, obviously there's been a framework to kind of look at this i think uh, two things is definitely uh, or say one thing is definitely whether the person giving you this feedback or you know kind of discouraging you whether they're relevant and to see whether they're relevant or not maybe two parameters but one is whether uh, they have the right intent for you or not as in whether they really want you yeah. to succeed or not that is something super important and second is uh, whether they understand what you're doing or the space that in which you're operating uh, if you know uh, both of these or even one of this is not right you can't call that feedback relevant and uh, i think maybe even you know someone who was telling me that maybe this idea is too small might not work out you might have to shut down in a few years might be watching this but uh, uh, I, thinking back i think you know the way i should have looked at it was not maybe what they are saying but why they are saying something because uh, it also depends upon how you are communicating a certain idea to people because you know they are not spending their di- days and nights thinking about this idea 
you are there only listening to you those 5 10 15 minutes that you're actually explaining what you're doing to them and if they get the wrong impression obviously the wrong feedback will be also given so uh, i think more recently whenever i get such feedback the idea has been to figure out why they are saying this whether they understood what i'm trying to articulate over here or whether i'm doing a bad job actually uh, explaining what we are trying to do and if you know fair uh, that would be taken as feedback you know that they have your best interests at heart they are well wishers at the same time kind of Sorry. their experience so they might be saying it from some point of view that they had ever seen like for example in our case also while we are building for the indian investor that was a very small market like 5 years back and that was the feedback that we kept getting that you know this will never become a large company because the number of investors in india is very small i think at that point it would have been uh, 20 25 lakh people who were investing in uh, stocks and nobody could have really projected or foreseen that this number would grow in the next 5 years while everybody knew that it would grow whether this 5 years or the next 10 years or the next 50 years nobody really knows that so kind of fair in their point to say that you know this is not a market that you should be tapping into maybe it's some other market that you should be looking at obviously at that point i didn't get why they were saying this or you know what was the application of this but again very luckily you know this 25 lakhs today has grown to say 3 crore 4 crore people in india and that nobody could have anticipated but again what when i think about why they were saying this they were saying this from the point of view that if there are not enough people in the market that you can actually tap into you cannot make as much money because either you'll have to make you know 5x the money that you're making now from one person or you uh, like service say 5x the number of people so if that market itself is not growing what can you do more to get 5x the amount of revenue so i think it's been a helpful framework whether the person giving you this feedback is relevant whether they have the right intent as well as they understand the space enough to kind of give you that feedback and second why are they saying this versus what they're saying okay so uh, talking about uh, you know we have a lot of people joining uh, you know uh, as you said people getting participating in the stock market there are a lot of people that uh, try to uh, so, so is this because of the access to technology that has happened in the past few years because we have uh, you know not just in probably participation in the stock market but even if you look at the growth of ott apps like netflix and uh, prime and hotstar or be it people doing online shopping or uh, net banking and mobile banking as such uh, coming to finance so do you think this is because of the changing technology landscape and especially in india with a lot of people uh, getting access to the internet getting access to internet on their phones uh, is this a result of that uh that i think technology or you know this access digital access to the markets is one aspect and that has been true since say the early 90s also when uh, everything related to stock trading became digitized before that it had to be you know you call someone up and get an order placed but from the 90s it was possible for someone to actually go to a website and place the order that kind of achieved more and more momentum over the last 5 years where people could do it from their phones more people had access to internet itself but i think uh, the a more underlying shift that has actually uh, powered this is that 
people are becoming more financially literate and that has actually kind of you know really grown over the last few years where if maybe you know some uh, numbers to actually help explain this like 5 years back uh, if you look at india's personal wealth i'm not talking about say corporates or you know uh, business wealth i'm just talking about the entire individuals uh, savings or wealth more than 60% of it was in asset classes or things like real estate gold today the, more than 65% of it is in financial assets be it say bank accounts be it stocks be it mutual funds be it other financial assets so i think that's been a core driver which is financial education or literacy uh, it's also been accompanied by a lot of things like interest rates are going down uh, that's the regime that we are in so obviously people would want to find better avenues to kind of park their money in but i think the biggest driver has been one uh, the whole financial literacy growing right. and second technology has kind of aided that in the sense i think uh, more than just opening up access technology has enabled uh, capturing of people who were not able to kind of even invest it's not just about the access part but r- new experiences that help people who don't even say you know uh, mutual funds to start investing in stocks now those experiences have become possible correct Right. So uh, again, we are getting a few questions. Um, there's a very interesting question that someone's asked. Um, in fact, there are two questions that are kind of related. I would say they are asked slightly differently. Uh, Sakshi from Mysore has asked. Um, so, if you are an expert coaching classes alumnus, you are you become our big brother. So, what guidance? Uh, so, so what she is asking is. Uh, are teachers and classes important in one's life or how important are teachers and classes in one's life on the other hand one more viewer has asked something similar if you have to get into a business like how you are how you have done why do we have to study right can't we do these things by doing just a bcom or some other degree or in, you know some something else so what is the role of education uh, i would say overall in in uh, being successful Uh, be it in business or else. No, sure. Very interesting question. Obviously, many many new interpretations are coming to this question in different ways. People are trying to create a different styles of education. That uh, kind of an alternative system of education in the U.S. where people are saying maybe what we have been studying traditionally isn't the right way to kind of uh, educate someone. Maybe there's an alternative way to do that. And many different schools of thoughts also there. uh but for me practically i think uh, if you look at it there is still like you mentioned this ankush in the start that you know there are goals like achievers look at goals so there are goals at every part of you know someone's life and today as a student say if you are studying 11th and 12th that goal is to basically move on to the next part of your professional career which is to either say you want to work somewhere or you want to start something up or you want to study more so depending upon that is how you should look at that education i think what kind of you know our system of education also kind of helps build is uh, discipline and rigor i think which is important as kind of people grow up so it's it's not a direct impact of you know the education system that uh, we've gone through but then it definitely builds that discipline and rigor to say that yes this is a structured curriculum you're going through these are the things that you need to know before appearing for an examination for that and the result of the examination can be anything but that whole process of studying for that those examinations 
builds that rigor in you to kind of you know take on larger projects in life so uh, the other question i think while you know uh, kind of it's not required to have a degree to build your own business uh, actually there's no degree that will actually equip you to kind of build your own business it's not like if you have an mba you will be more there will be higher probability of you being building a successful business versus if you don't have an mba so again uh, if you look at the qualitative aspects of that that actually outranks more things for instance like i said uh, kind of once you identify the market that you want to tap into the next two things kind of uh, build the business that in a manner that you want to build it in is the capital or the funding that you get as well as say the people that you work with and the people that you partner with so for those two things being in a great educational institution only kind of accelerates that uh, obviously again it's not a blocker to say that if you're not part of say you know some uh, schools or some educational institutes that you won't get that but then if, if you are already there that network gets built so Sorry. in my case as you can see like my co-founders are my batchmates from iit kharagpur if i hadn't uh, say i'd gone the commerce stream like many ifs and buts conditions there but if uh, you know i didn't have the team that i have today i don't think I, we would have been here if it was some other two people as in these are the two people who actually built it alongside me and have worked more than even me on a lot of aspects of the company that's critical even say on the uh, funding part or capital part the more people you know the network you have the more people who can connect you obviously help there and that's where kind of the only places you can build that network today early on in your career at these educational institutions so that's how i would look at that because you know having this degree versus that degree or having kind of you know a certain uh, academic path does not mean anything for say what startup you do or whether you know you will be successful in entrepreneurship right. or not i think it's the skills that you pick up on the way and the the discipline and the uh, the mindset that you pick up during that education is what really helps you later on uh, now uh, absolutely that and the network right. piece as well as and i think that is something that is underplayed a lot by educational institutions that you will come here and get the best in right. education technology facilities but uh, what it is actually that say you know distinguishes one school over the other is the kind of people right. the alumni network that right. you find there versus right. somewhere else. uh now any startup starts with a small team you spoke about your co-founders start with a small team of people who have you know some similar thought they have an idea that they want to work on and they really work well with each other and bring out the best in each other but as you scale up as your organization grows of course a lot more people start getting involved be it your own internal uh, uh, employees or it could be external people who start getting involved in your business it could be a uh, somebody who is infusing capital into your uh, company but you start working with a lot of people basically how, how does one scale up without losing uh, quality or the core values that the organization stands for got it no i think uh, the first and foremost thing is definitely still the people as in uh, it starts from when you are you know a one person to two person to three person team and eventually Uh, as you scale up you will continue growing the organization the number of stakeholders shareholders well-wishers partners uh, clients that you keep adding but uh, the kind of people who you uh, on board to work with you be it a partner or a team member or an investor i think you know as long as they understand what you are building or completely in sync with 
that that is something that is definitely required and you know their quality or their skill set will obviously determine what your products or businesses positioning or messaging is to the end consumer as well i think for that to happen the uh, part before that has to be say you know having a very clear mission statement uh, now that mission statement can keep evolving over time but then uh, i think something that has been very helpful to us whether to do something or not to do something whether it's right for us or not right for us has been two things one is definitely still focusing on that mission so the when we started i think the mission was to simplify investing today it is to it is a little more uh, focused to say that we will build simple products for people to invest in but still as in that helps us kind of uh, get the right set of people to work with get the right set of partners to build this along get the right set of products out in the market so while that is clear you can start building everything around that and the third thing i think is uh, you know customer obsession like it's been now obviously a lot of companies kind of uh, keep talking about this but i think it's because that is what is most key as in even if you have the best team you have say uh, you know the x amount of capital on you, with you you have everything going right for you if the customer is not happy with your service or kind of looking to do more business with you at some point you know that's only a transitional business or it's a temporary business so continuing to understand the consumer uh, give them the best service and continue to grow with them is something that you know the best or the greatest businesses do i think these three things are uh, what kind of help someone navigate the journey from you know a founding team to then a small team to a large team and eventually a large outcome okay. Uh, so we are getting a few more questions from viewers. Uh, so Nandan KR from Uttar Kannada asks, uh, how did you uh, motivate yourself uh, and made up your mind to develop your own company? Who helped you, uh, or and how did you get the idea of doing this? Uh, sure. So uh, honestly, I've been I was just thinking about that maybe some time back, uh, but I can't. pinpoint you know at what point or what was the trigger that this actually happened but i think uh, sometime in my second year in college uh, it became very clear that at some point in my life i have to build my own company and you know till then i have to gather the required skill sets to do this as in that i still don't recollect what was the specific trigger or kind of who pushed me in that direction but i think in second year it became absolutely clear that this is something i have to do now whatever i do from here i will keep thinking of it from a perspective that does this help me towards that goal or does this not help me and uh, like i said before i don't think small case is an idea was clear the idea was that i need to build my own company now whatever idea seems right at that point of time to pick up whether it has a large market the timing is right etc uh kind of helped by two three things uh, kind of when you know when i started thinking about this more seriously that was in 2014 and 2015 start when uh, you know i had to kind of take an action over here uh, one was definitely support from family as in they've been very supportive throughout uh, the entire journey and process and uh, the fact that a lot of people in my family have also kind of been entrepreneurial and again when i was growing up i used to see them building their own businesses uh, in whatever manner but i couldn't really grasp the you know the 
intricacies of that or you know what it takes to actually build a business but then uh, it kind of normalized that uh, entire you know uh, path to me that building a business is uh, you know a career path as in it's it's not something that is out of our reach or something that we cannot do so, so i think that was something that was seeded very early on that you know building a business is a good way to do things you have say uh, uh, freedom to do things that you want to uh, obviously kind of you are building the business you take all the calls you have to make the decisions so as you learn how to take those decisions but the freedom is still enjoyed by you so i think that was one thing and i don't know what really happened in my second year of college but i think it uh, entrepreneurship at that time there wasn't the kind of support system the infrastructure in the country to support it there were obviously people who had built successful businesses and were starting to build at that point but the kind of uh, ease that you have today in building a room business from scratch because uh, like when we built it again there was no godfather to basically say you know you do this and i'll set you up with this customer base or this capital etc we had to go and figure it out for ourselves but that has become very easy in the last 10 years like 10 years back when you know the second year that i'm talking about that was 10 years back uh, it was not that simple uh, i think again don't know the exact spark but i think from the last 5 years it's become simpler and simpler to do this and i think this phase will continue for the next 10 years where more enterprises more entrepreneurs will only come into the ecosystem and actually build businesses that kind of uh, survive till eternity right uh, now getting into the stock market business right you are uh, it's it's a highly regulated uh, field i would say you have uh, regulatory bodies like say be uh, and generally when we talk about government regulations and you know navigating through those to set something up uh, it it can be quite scary especially in india uh, now and you, do, you don't just work with the regulatory bodies but also other uh, stakeholders like brokerages depositories and etc etc uh, did you face any challenges that uh, uh, you faced during setting up your business um, and how did you overcome these challenges so i think uh, you're very right as in what the space that we are in i think is the most regulated space you know in india in terms of because again what you're dealing with here is very sensitive we're dealing with people's savings their money and you can't really take say you know a very startup or a silicon valley types uh, approach to this to say that move fast break things let's see what happens something might work something might not so it's it's always kind of i think uh, as a team we've been very thoughtful we've uh, kind of sweated the details around what we want to build how we want to build it but working and uh, as you know like what we build is uh, infrastructure or platforms for businesses uh, while we keep the investor or the end user at the very core of uh, we don't directly work with the instead as in we always uh, work with different partners or entities or institutions that then kind of take our product to the end customer mm-hmm. so uh, it's definitely been challenging as in it it's it's uh, if you are doing the direct to consumer route where you are building something taking it to the consumer you get feedback you can keep building incrementally this requires Uh, a lot of time the whole sales cycle where you have to convince your first partner then your second partner today we work with over 100 businesses so that's happened over the last 5 years but till say 2 years back exactly 2 years 3 months back we were only working with one partner and that one partner was also kind of 
sold on the vision that we were doing even though we had pitched i think over 20 other potential partners none of them really understood what we were trying to do there was one person who said yes i understand what you're trying to do let's work together and in the last 3 years we've gone from one to like 100 plus businesses that we work with so uh definitely very challenging because there are processes there are regulations there are uh different hierarchies of people that you will have to interact with get their buy in uh, get their comfort confidence before you start working with any entity and we work with some of the most trusted respected institutions including nhdfc kotak icici edelweiss ifl etc and that has all happened because i think one learning kind of that uh, i realized maybe a year into starting the business is that one that everybody starts from zero as in uh, kind of anybody who's built anything or has done anything say be it an olympic medalist or say you know uh, anybody who's built a business or anybody who's uh, done something creative also everybody starts from zero so there is always a learning curve towards that and at the end of the day everything is governed by people or humans so uh, if if nothing there is no there's never that you can take an answer as no you have to figure out a story or a compelling narrative to convince someone and if you find that point everybody can basically kind of uh, agree to what you're saying or be aligned to you so i think these two learnings have helped really it kind of humanizes everything in the sense that uh, if i'm say looking to partner with an entity x i need to know who that decision maker at x is what they believe in weaknesses or strengths are and how do i then tell them about my story to convince them and once kind of you take that view or that outlook towards doing things it just becomes very easier to kind of get things your way also so i think that's an important learning but uh, definitely very challenging to work uh, in a very regulated uh, environment but the more things that we've done today we are regulated by different entities exchanges uh, you know our partners as well as sebi uh, these have now become actually defensibilities or moats for us because uh, now when we think of something that is a regulatory roadblock we think it from the point of view that if you actually surpass this roadblock then for the next 10 people to do it they will take the same time and effort so every challenge is now taken to be that if i do this 10 other people can't come doing the same so that's become a way to kind of flip that challenge into a mode for us right. uh, so as a, as an entrepreneur uh, you have to make a lot of decisions be it starting from the decision to actually start small case and then once you got small case up and running for the past uh, few years uh, you'd probably have to continuously make certain decisions uh, but was there ever a moment where you doubted if you made the right decision or not uh, it could be even before making the decision where you are unsure of what decision to make or maybe after you made the decision you were not sure whether this was the right thing or not uh, how do you deal with such dilemmas no uh, i think uh, my only job is to kind of take decisions now as in earlier there would be a lot of execution tactical work that i had to do but today i think we are lucky enough to have the right set of team members the capital to do what we want to do and now my job is basically to take say 10 to 15 decisions a day you cannot take more than that in a certain day and uh, now it depends on your next day or say your next month next 12 months next 2 uh, years depends on how many of those 10 to 15 decisions that you took today are right or wrong and so uh, you will take wrong decisions you can never take right 
uh, 100% right decisions because either you won't have the time or you won't have all information to take these decisions and this doubt or this self doubt has always been a part as in i uh, this is something i keep going back to there is this uh, graph that a fellow entrepreneur had shared with me where kind of you know uh, on the y axis there is that the entrepreneur feels like i'm a winner i'm killing it you know i'm the best at what i do that's on the higher side on the lower side there is uh, you know i'm a loser nothing is going right everything is really bad and in the middle there is like just shut up just keep doing what you're doing which is working and as time passes the range of basically the graph keeps going moving towards the normal which is to say that you have good days you have bad days but nothing is permanent right. it will keep changing from day to day all you need to keep focusing on is what you have to do at that point and keep moving on so i think that's really helped uh, earlier like you know these ranges are very these ranges are something that everybody feels in their life say you're working in an mnc or corporate or you're building your own business i think but the difference for say an entrepreneur or a founder is that these ranges are very high one day you are euphoric you feel like you're on top of the world everything is going great for you you know you can see uh, a path to your next goal whereas on another day you think that maybe tomorrow it's the end nothing's going to work out really well and this range is very wide for say an entrepreneur versus say somebody working in a corporate where they get a lot less feedback so they don't know whether you know they're doing something good or not so uh i think over time that's been a way to kind of uh you know let things go and basically say today if i'm doing great i have to keep uh, watching out for what's next if i'm doing not that great tomorrow will be a better day but today you have been things let's just keep finishing that okay uh now disruption is a word that we have heard uh, used quite often these days uh, we talk about companies like oyo Uh, Uber, Airbnb, they've really disrupted the space uh, that they uh, operate in. Uh, how is uh, technology and uh, fintech? This is the new word these days. Uh, how is it influencing the landscape of the financial services industry? And uh, how can traditional financial players like banks or other financial institutions embrace the rise of such fintech companies? No, sure. I think two questions. i think the first one is uh, technology or the uh, more than technology i think user experience is what's become a lot more key today uh, it could be say you know how or a website looks to how you experience it how many taps till you get to what you're doing how many uh, you know whether you see the right information when you're doing a certain step that is kind of you know where uh, it's become a lot more important for say financial services itself and uh, i'm sure you know you might have seen this yourself like say 5 years back just 5 years back it's tough to imagine but 5 years back uh, uh say my parents for example would not trust something unless they could see it you know in their neighborhood they would basically say you know i will buy from a big bazaar because i know that the store is there uh, or say i will take a service from a certain provider because i know where to go and catch them if they do not deliver today that's completely shifted right as in uh, people will not order from big bazaar because their app does not inspire confidence or trust in you and you would basically take a service because kind of you know uh, the design or the experience or you know the even simple things like the wordings kind of inspire that trust or that confidence which is why you use a certain service so i think that is what is happening to the financial services landscape in general where uh, things that people 
focused on earlier, which is say number of branches. The more number of branches, the more penetration you have. Today, that's not necessarily true. You have one app on the Play Store. You are tapping into everybody who has a smartphone. And today, so much percentage of India already has a smartphone, so you're addressable to them. So I think that's where traditional financial services companies have built a cost structure or built their you know uh, fixed costs in a way for optimizing for something that is no longer true. And that's where you need uh, upstarts or startups, which are basically thinking afresh, not starting from any baggage, not starting from any legacy, to build the user experience while still the trust will come from also partnering with brands like, say, NHDFC, Quarter, Edelweiss, for example, who have actually built that by uh, virtue of legacy. They've been in the market for the last two decades, three decades, which is where people know it's a trusted brand. If you can uh, match that credibility, that reputation with a seamless user experience, that's a win-win for everybody involved. So I think that's how uh, the even the traditional financial services uh, players or ecosystem is looking at technology. They're saying, "You uh, fintech does not have the legacy issues that we have. We started building our systems 20 years back. Changing that is always going to take five years, yes. not one, or say no, uh, 10 months, not one month. But you can build that customer experience layer. We will come in with our credibility, reputation, mix and match, take a product or a service or an offering and actually take this to more people. Right, right. Uh... So it's 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 more about uh, collaboration, I would say, rather than absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, no, I uh, think uh, this has happened across the globe. As in, uh, financial services companies, the traditional ones, always looked at fintech companies as a potential competitor. Fintech companies yeah. always looked at say it's it's not just India. Even US, like Goldman Sachs, ending club and say you know mm-hmm. maybe we're competing. But then eventually mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs, both of them came together to say, let's work together. We have our strengths. You have your strengths. Let's figure out how do we grow the ecosystem versus trying to build a zero-sum game at the end of it. Right. So I think that's been uh, the for India, at least in the last three years, where collaboration between financial services and fintech has just grown. Right. Now, uh, there's a question coming from a student called Kiril. Uh, I think this comes back to you being someone who went to an IIT. Uh, he asks, uh, 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 sir, what advice uh, will you give for JE aspirants? <laughs> uh, people who are writing JE or people who yeah, are writing Yeah, so people are writing JE. No, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know the, I honestly don't know how the exam is changed right now, whether it's the same format or not. I think there's a JE. It changes, it changes quite a bit, yeah. Correct. So, uh, no, honestly, like, I think among my ranks also, uh, I had given four exams, the CET, AIEEE, BITSAT, and uh, JE. The other three exams, I was under 100 uh, uh, rank, but JE exam was my worst rank, as in I had something like around uh, touching 5,000. I think it was 4,900 something. So, that was my worst rank, but... I think it is a lot to do on how you are on that particular day because you're essentially condensing two or even more years of work into one day or maybe two days now of, you know, testing. And uh, how much ever, say, you know, you actually do during these two years, everything comes down to that last one day when you're actually giving the exam. So in order to for you to kind of also put down on paper what you've learned, you need to be very cool and calm on that day to be in that mind frame to do it. So I think that is the 
uh, you know make or break kind of day for everyone who's giving any exam it's is you you can say it's not fair because kind of you're condensing or you know taking years of work and trying to basically judge someone on one or two days uh, it's maybe not fair but then uh, it's the unfortunate reality so on that day how you are what your temperament is how patient you are how calmly you think about things and actually put it on paper is what kind of defines how you ace the exam or not right as as someone who has been leading a successful startup uh, what are the most important lessons that you have learned being in that uh, role uh, at small case i think uh, two of them i mentioned ankur so one was definitely that you know uh everybody starts from zero so i think once people realize that it is always easier to pick up a challenge as in say you know you want to compete in uh the indian olympics for say you know shooting maybe 10 years later the fact that so many people will say it's not possible because you are at a certain age etc but then the fact is that everybody starts from zero itself as an even say mr bindra would have started at some point of time learning how to hold a rifle like he was born a genius you might have a flair for it but then everybody starts from that zero point second is that uh, you know there's there's never something that cannot be done because at the end of it you know the whole world is driven by people and people being human beings there is always a soft point a strong point a way to kind of convince them so if uh, you always keep that in mind saying that you want to do one thing and that if you kind of figure out who or which group of people will enable you to do that one thing then figuring out how to position it to them or message or tell that story is important and the third part is uh, there's a lot of power in storytelling as in uh, say you know you can use stories to inspire bad things out of people you can use stories to inspire great things out of people but then is very very underrated and you know be it communication speaking uh, translating complex ideas into simple uh, words i think that has a lot of value i think these would be the top 3 learning from okay uh, there's a uh, so we are, we are almost nearing the end of our time but we have a, a few questions which we will try to cover quickly uh, navya from chikballapur asks uh, nowadays financial entrepreneurs are uh, quite successful right it could be you or it could be uh, a lot of other companies like paytm which have you know really changed uh, on wallet uh, banking now can a medical entrepreneur be as successful as a financial entrepreneur is the question that she asks uh no f- f- fantastic question now i think uh, uh, again it it ties down to what i was mentioning before that how do you see the market for what you're building as in uh financial services today in india even though as you know as in i don't know if many of the audience know this but if you look at the top 50 companies of india by market cap financial services would occupy like 40 50% of that and this is where you know financial services hasn't uh, kind of penetrated very well insurance i think 1% of india would have mutual funds i think 2% less than 2% of india would have uh say uh, banking now has definitely reached a larger population thanks to you know the entire jandan and aadhar but that's where you know if you tap into a huge market and there is a way to convert some inefficiency into a beautiful experience that's where you can build a sustainable business so uh, financial services has been 
great for that i think also it's been a little easier over the last few years given that you know there've been a lot of pivotal changing points be it gst be it upi be it aadhar be it demonetization that have actually encouraged more financial inclusion or more people uh, going digital to do financial transactions but then medical uh, technology or say healthcare also taps into an equally large pool of people just to get you know looking at a global audience here just in india everybody is in need of some uh, you know healthcare systems that uh, they need to look at be it uh, preventive be it say you know uh, for uh, curing curing someone's uh, ailments but this is a market that everybody needs so i think where kind of uh, there have been companies that have been able to tap into a certain aspect of that but if you can find a uh, problem or a solution that a lot of people you know uh, are facing a solution to a problem that a lot of people are facing and find a way to kind of build up beautiful experience by cutting out an inefficiency that's a large business opportunity waiting so i don't think there is anything fundamentally uh, wrong in say the healthcare model itself it's the market is there the timing is right today people are definitely uh more looking or more health conscious or fitness conscious as well those are two trends that have actually been happening unfortunately that's what some of the players that have actually won in this are global players who are coming into india and doing this so i don't think there's anything fundamentally missing uh in the business or the market opportunity is just that people haven't gone out and built those business models right. yet. i think especially uh, since we're talking about healthcare uh, with healthcare informatics coming in and uh, 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 probably uh, uh, our prime minister also spoke uh, uh, during the independence day regarding uh, uh, medical id or health id that would uh, really uh, help uh, information uh, about patient or about uh, their health uh, be shared among all the stakeholders uh, now talking about this there's a lot of talk about uh, artificial intelligence and big data machine learning uh, how has uh, this impacted the financial uh, space and uh, do you leverage any of these technologies or, or do you plan to in the future no i think uh, uh, again I'll, at the risk of sounding repetitive here i think uh, that's what any technology or anything you do if it's kind of removing any inefficiency in the entire chain that is when it makes sense for a business to actually use it I, uh, even though there are say a lot of businesses who use these as buzzwords to <laughs> kind of sound cool or you know uh, sound like it's very modern or very futuristic uh, as long as it's being used to kind of solve a core experience or a product problem uh, there's not much point in that today we are not yet there uh, we are getting there in terms of scale to actually start looking at data or machine learning in order to uh, again it's not just to uh, kind of say that we're using it hence you know we sound cool or something but uh, the issues that we're facing today or say a challenge like we were down for some time say last week that was because we touched a certain amount of uh, number of transactions in a day that we didn't plan for and while we had over optimized things earlier that one day it went even uh, beyond that certain limit so i think that's where we are starting to use a little bit of big data or say you know these techniques to actually predict what could be behavior basis say different parameters what's happening in the markets right. what's happening in the global markets uh, how many people are say logging in uh, is there any new information that is coming in from our platform on that day 
if there is a different combination of this that could you know f- uh, foretell a certain event we need to be prepared so i think that's how we're thinking about it but people have used ai in different ways again uh, for example say you know you have to decide between a certain thing uh, which would be say uh, at earlier you would get a choice of items and then you have to select between one now the inefficiency there is people might drop off because you are seeing 10 choices right. people might say i don't know what to do but then what ai for example helps in a certain use case over here is to actually show you two and say that these are the two things that you need to choose between and the other eight things are eliminated because of choices that other people with a similar profile have made so if i think uh, those are things which could be used at in services that have scaled and have a lot of data underlying but maybe today at our scale we are not yet using it but we are starting to use that but for example say you know uh, for a bank which deals with crores of accounts uh, you know millions of transactions on a hourly basis that could be really vital in order to say for example uncover fraud correct and actually build uh, like reduce fr- uh, fraudulent people as well as elements right. in the system at like the same time to give a better companies are, uh, Yeah. Absolutely. I think the take home is that uh, technology should not be used for the sake of using the technology. It should actually solve a problem or mission. I think that's uh, what you've been uh, telling. Now uh, we are uh, running out of time. So uh, at the end, I would like to ask you one last question. Uh, what is your message to budding entrepreneurs? What are some pitfalls they should avoid in their journey of becoming successful? And what kind of efforts must they put in in order to be successful? sure uh, so this was something that you know i, I to, as i mentioned i was thinking in late 2014 uh, 15 while you know that purpose or intent was always there to do something on my own now you don't know whether the timing is right the idea is right the people you're working with is right all of those are calls that or bets that you take based on your gut or instinct at that point but uh, for me primarily i think the taking the plunge into entrepreneurship was finally driven by you know what uh, by kind of two things one was what is the worst case that could happen because of say you know that uh, i build this company if it fails goes to zero what is the downside for me and uh, i think uh, what i figured out then and what is true for anybody also kind of taking that decision today is that the downside is zero in the sense if say uh, you are looking to build your own business at a young enough age i don't i'm not taking the same framework for people who are say 50 plus for example or 40 plus for example because there are other responsibilities and things that come into place but if you're looking to build a business before the age of 30 even if you spend 2 years uh, and you're uh, working with the wrong people or the wrong market or say you know your idea is not ready to be uh, scalable your uh, downside is that the company goes to zero but you would be a lot more uh, knowledgeable in terms of you know how business is built and that is valuable for other people so uh, i think i'd mentioned this earlier but uh, if say you know for two years you are continuing to do the same work versus you believe strongly in an idea and actually devote two years of that you would basically be two levels higher than where you would be if you were in you know continuing to do the same thing that you were because you've taken a risk you've gone out done something beyond your comfort zone that gives you confidence to do more things that is outside your comfort zone at the same time the learnings the people that you interact with the network that you build will stay with you for life 
so that was one kind of i think uh, framework that i looked at uh, or you know how i thought about it that my downside was zero there's no reason not to start this even if i even if this fails i will be better off than where i am today uh, you know even if this fails and goes to zero completely the second one was uh, this is a famous framework by jeff bezos he uses it but it's called the regret minimization framework that you know uh, if you are thinking about doing one thing over the other just think about say 20 years 30 years on your deathbed thinking about that very decision and whether you would regret not doing something or doing something as in if you are regretting uh, not taking a certain step you know that you, you know you should do that so i think these two were the things that i used to kind of take that plunge into the uh, domain but again uh, i think if you know you are keen on starting your own business uh, just evaluate it from these three aspects one is uh, do you have the what whether your what you're building can at some point take a very generic broader view to it don't take the specific thing that you're building take you know a larger view say for example you know you're building uh, something in healthcare uh if you are building even say telemedicine in healthcare for example like don't just think about the prospects or the market size of telemedicine basically look at whether healthcare as a industry is growing in india or the consciousness of people is growing in india or not and whether that market is big enough second whether the timing is right are more people uh, kind of will there be a lot more people tomorrow versus say the same thing happening in 5 years and the third is the people that you work with if you have the right set of people that you're working with the right support system that itself could do wonders to you there uh, it is said that no one is born an achiever it is all in the attitude i think we have witnessed what this means by talking to you today uh, thank you so much for being a part of edupath and inspiring our students to aim high absolutely ankur thank you so much for having me here uh, thanks to everyone who attended this thanks for taking time out on a sunday evening hopefully you know there are some useful takeaways for you uh, feel free to reach out to me in case i can help you uh, help any of you on your journey there it would be wonderful uh, once uh, you know the situation improves it would be very nice to have you visit our campus and speak to our students face to face because i think that will have a completely different impact on the students as well no no absolutely look forward to that day thank you thank you so much, you so much. this has been a very nice conversation uh viewers uh, next week we will have a guest who literally flies high not only in terms of his achievements but as part of his profession too uh, our resource person for the next episode uh, will be captain sunil sadashiv pet uh, who is an ex pilot of the indian air force and currently a commander in, at air india uh, see you all on 27th of december that is a sunday at 5 pm Until then don't forget to subscribe to our channel and wish you all a great week ahead thank you so much